Welcome into Hardcore Penn State football. We are back. Hopefully everyone had a fantastic 4th of July. We are one month away from, in our opinions, being the start of the season. So we are we are very close, ladies and gentlemen. A lot to discuss today. Some recruiting news, a new commit. Happy Valley United, the NIL front, just going crazy. And a lot more to discuss. So, and a bunch of fan questions. So thank you for those. Welcome into the show, everybody. As always, the great Sean Kane. That's all I got today, Sean. You're good. You're good. How we doing? Doing well. How are you? Feeling hunky dory on this hump day, Corey. You have a good Fourth of July. I did. I did. Went over to my parents' house for a cookout and watched Joey Chestnut do his thing. And yeah, that was really my fourth. How about? How about you? Fantastic time. Fantastic time. There was a nice big party on the second, on the Sunday. And then, yeah, the fourth, we were able to get out in the boat a little bit, get out in the water and, and have a good time. So no complaints here. I am also like to say that we, are, well, at least half of us are recording this episode in State College. So we are in the heart of it right now. How about that? So, Corey, are you at your new house right now? No. No, not not at it today. Um, we'll, we'll we'll hopefully be staying there tomorrow night. Um, our stuff isn't really there yet, so right. there's not not much going on there. But um, but yeah, very excited to be back in State College. I am gonna try just to nobody else give it away if you listen to this and then tweet. But I would like to, and I don't know if my editing skills are good enough. I want to put my face on the Quinn Nordeen video and post that of him <laughs> on the jet and everything. Wouldn't that be so funny? Yeah, with the AI gener- AI technology today, you could definitely do that. 
That'd be that'd be just so funny. The I'm coming home thing on the private jet. And it, that'd be so good. Does this mean we're gonna lose you to Ann Arbor in in a few months? No, no sleepovers okay. are gonna happen here. All right. Yeah, Jim's not gonna be staying over. No, nope. That was the most poetic justice moment where I knew that there really were football gods when he missed that PAT. Oh my god, it was so funny. I laughed out loud. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you couldn't write a better script than that. So. Um. Yeah. That the fans went nuts. <laughs> so anyway, um, Sean, I wanted to. I, I was a little busy today, driving obviously into town and whatnot. But every time I looked on Twitter, I just kept seeing all the Penn State football staff, coaches, everybody, recruiting staff, players, tweeting about the importance of NIL and you know using that awesome Penn State alumni fan base that that is always mentioned. Uh, to support Happy Valley United. And Happy Valley United was the the combination of the the previous two NIL collectives under one roof. I saw that they're actually still looking for a CEO. Or is it a CEO? Hey, I think it is. Sean, do you think you're going to apply for that? They're, they're looking for a CEO. I think we should be the co-CEOs, Corey, because nobody could bring the fan base together quite like us. We all remember Bootgate. That's true. Hashtag Bootgate. Um which we were still right about, by the way. But We were. But. Anyway, um, yeah. What I really wanted to bring up to you, Sean, and I'm not trying to say I, I get the importance of it, and I get that you need to, you know, you need to get the, the fan base ignited. Uh, James Franklin just had an interview with Adam Brenneman a couple a week ago, mm-hmm. and he, he talked about how they think they're still roughly a year behind in the NIL front. Now, remember, Corey Geiger had a good point when we had him on, I guess, a little bit ago, uh, where he's like, James Franklin's never going to say we're ahead in the NIL front. So who knows really where they're at. But big push today. And again, not against necessarily the the informative approach, not against, you know, trying to get more people just to donate five bucks here, five bucks there. But I felt like today... It felt a little corny to me, Sean, and I know it's important, and I know you got to get on the boat, and and you got to get everybody involved. But I think it would have been better if they would have spaced out everybody doing that instead of everyone just blitzing it all in one day. The the blitzkrieg of of tweets, and I'm sure they're all over different social media accounts, just didn't didn't really feel authentic to me, and I don't think it really for all. Full transparency, I don't donate to the United Happy Valley United or any collective for that matter. And so like they're trying to convince me, and I didn't really feel like it worked today. I'm not mad that they tried it, but I just felt like it was a little corny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely – it was definitely coordinated, no doubt. They had everybody and their brother doing it that's connected to Penn State – And more so than corny in my mind, it looked desperate. And I think right now it it is. And it's not that we're, you know, an FCS team when it comes to NIL or anything, or a MAC team, or even a a lower level Big Ten team. But it seems pretty clear that Penn State is not where... They need to be to compete long term. And I think there is some internal worry about that. And and look, 
Franklin has been as transparent as he could be because they don't want to really give away state secrets in saying that, yeah, we need more donations. And I don't think it just is coach speak trying to get more money. I think they're having a lot of trouble with the quote unquote whales. And those are the big donors. They're uh, people making millions and millions of dollars. And a lot of them are hesitant to donate. And keep in mind what's being discussed in addition to NIL. What other high big ticket item uh, is being discussed right now? The stadium. Stadium. So you're asking these whales to not only donate to NIL, you're also asking them to either build you a new stadium or to donate hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars to upgrade Beaver Stadium. Now, if you're James Franklin, I think you take NIL all day, every day. If you're the athletic department, you might be a little split on that. If you're on the board of trustees, you might be a little split on that. But I think I think there's a problem there. So if they're having trouble getting those big donors to donate, it then falls on us, the middle class and working class fans, to try to pick up the slack. And they want us any way they can get us. And I get it, but it does seem a little desperate to me. Sean, I don't know if you want to disclose this information, but I'm curious, like you were originally donating to Success with Honor like a, over a year ago when we first talked about it, correct? I was. I, I am no longer. And it's nothing personal. I was just saving money. Yeah, and I was just I, what I was curious about, and actually, this is kind of a question for anyone out there listening who was a part of Success with Honor. I'm curious how like they communicated the blending of the two together, and if anything changed with with your subscription or or how they were going to go about it. So if anyone can well, provi- well, I might have some details because okay. they can check out uh, Happy Valley United. And the lowest subscription right now, like the lowest price is $25. Where last year, it's for a month, yes. Where last year, with Success with Honor, was $10. So, I mean, I mean, look, guys, for people who are making uh, $50,000, $60,000, dollars a year, that's a lot to ask. People who are raising kids who are, uh, themselves trying to put kids through school. They're trying to buy tickets. And sometimes I think with our fan base in particular, because at Penn State, more so than other schools, we don't have, I think as Franklin put it, a tradition of giving, of uh, being, of players getting paid. And I'm not, I'm not going to be one of these people who think nobody ever got paid in the history of Penn State football. That's ridiculous. But in school, in certain schools, that was the norm, and now it's just legalized. So the fan base was already pre- was already used to giving money to make sure that they got guys to commit and kept them happy while at school. Where Penn State, that just ha- that that just hasn't it hasn't been as widespread. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't want to go too down that much rabbit hole because. We do have a, a fan question tonight sort of to speak to that. So I want to okay. sa- save some of the conversation in that aspect for that question. 
Um, but yeah, that's to your point, that's 300 more dollars a year. You know, if you're spending just $2,000 roughly on tickets, including like, you know, some food and whatever, and then you're getting closer to 3000 closer to 4000 if you include parking and hotels and gas. And I mean, that that's a big investment for a season ticket holder to begin with. And then now you're asking for just a little bit more money and it's not easy, right? It's not an easy conversation to have with anybody. Um, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't matter how much money you make 300, you know, 300 more dollars a year, it, at least in my opinion is a lot of money. Even if I was, making $300,000 a year, I, I would feel like another $300 that you weren't originally planning for, or you felt like you're already giving the university enough as far as the donations. And, and if you're in the club, you have licenses and stuff. I mean, every little dollar, you know, more than what you originally were going to pay is going to be a battle for. And so I get this whole point. I do think $25 a month is a little steep. And, and I get it. They want it to be at least something that's going to matter, I guess, probably. But I really think you can get Joe Schmo to give you $5 a month, $25 a month. Now you're talking about, you know, those are the, you know, th that was his beer money potentially for the month. And, and now he doesn't have that. Maybe that's what he bought his, you know, his handle of booze. I don't know why Joe Schmo has to be an alcoholic, but you get my point. And, and so <laughs> I, I think it's just tough to squeeze that out. And I, I think they are doing it the right way. I just felt like today was a little bit, a little bit much. And I think they would have had more success if they would have spaced those out. Okay. You had a blitzkrieg of it today. Well, what are you going to follow up with tomorrow? What, 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 how are you going to continue to provide that message? I'll be very interested to see how they push this throughout the actual football season? Are we going to see more signage in the stadium? Are we going to see more commercials on the big board? Are there going to be stuff in the, you know, in the, in the rosters and the, in the media books and how else are they going to push it? Because just tweeting isn't going to be enough. We, we have 5,000 people on Twitter and I can promise you less than 1% of Penn state fan base knows about us. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a, we've said it before, right. John, there's a bigger world than just Twitter out there. And I'm I'm not saying they're not going to do those other things, but I'm just excited to see what those other things are going to be. And shout out to them. They're going down to the Jersey Shore uh, here in a little bit and, and having a big fundraiser down there. I think that's going to be very successful. I love that they're going into Jersey to do it. There are lots of Penn State uh, alums hang out there. And I love that you're kind of going after Rutgers a little bit. So they are doing some good stuff, but I just didn't feel like today was was very authentic. Yeah, and it's just really the clear coordination. Like, if Franklin, like, put up a video or something and talked about the importance of NIL, I kind of think that would have more substance. Um, but, but, you know, it, it just kind of seemed, it just seemed a bit desperate. And I think in a way, I mean, it's it, look, it's not like we're a poverty program. I don't want to come off like that. But, you know, you're, you're trying to compete with the Ohio States, with the Michigans, with, um, you know, everybody. The SEC schools as good as you could because, yeah, we're not, even in a best-case scenario, we're not going to have the kind of money they have, uh, or at least a lot of them have. But you have to you have to be competitive. I'm, I mean, even look at this recruiting class, Corey. We don't have any of the top 
20 or 30 guys in the country committed. I mean, we're not even really on a lot of their radars. Who was, I'd have to go and look who, who the highest rated guy who came in on an official visit was. And that's a problem. That's a problem. And a lot of it is due to we can't offer what these other schools are offering in NIL. At least I think that's part of the reason why. Yeah, and you're right. Like, we talk about this all the time, but, like, Penn State's recruiting well, and, and they're right now at a top 10 class. We'll talk recruiting in a second. Yep. But they're, they're definitely not in that tier they need to be as far as consistently winning national champions. Now, are they developing, and now are they giving themselves chance if, you know, they hit on the position, uh, specific skilled positions? Yes. But you got to be almost perfect in that sense. Um, you want, you know, I always go back to like the no knock on Justin Shorter, but like people are like, oh, the five stars that Penn State gets don't pan out. I don't think it's the percentage, you know, that's any different than any other school. But when Alabama gets a bunch of five stars, it's okay if one or two of them don't work out. It's okay if Ohio right. State doesn't have one or two of them that work out. When Penn State only gets, you know, one every year, or one every other year. There is a huge magnifying glass on those specific players what, rather than looking at them the way we look at maybe four stars nowadays. So it, it all comes back to that. And, and Penn State's recruiting well, but they're not at that level. And and honestly, I don't think they're ever going to get to the highest level. We've had that conversation before. But it, the closer you can get, the the less uh, the more room for error you have, and, and as you've seen, 2016, 2017, maybe 2021, maybe you know, there's a bunch of years you lose that room for error. All of a sudden, you know, things can get away from you a little bit. So that's I think the the point. But I also think Sean, and I want to end this maybe on a more optimistic note. I do think they realize they're close, right? And I think they just they're like if we can just get a little bit more boost, we're there. And and I think they want to capitalize on the momentum that they have because they know they have some solid momentum right now. And so that part makes me very excited because it seems like they're doing it because they are close to close to the uh, the precipice of success, if you will. Sure. And I think there are some fans out there. As, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read the first reply to James Franklin, his uh, NIL push from today. The first reply says, yeah, maybe it's, okay, it's the third reply now. Win some big games against Ohio, Michigan and Ohio State, and I'll consider donating. Hashtag can't win big games. There are some fans out there that want to see that first. Now, I, I kind of think it's flawed logic on that fan's part because we need NIL to be able to compete with these teams. And it doesn't matter if we bring in Nick Saban as the coach, like you still need that NIL money in today's day and age in college football, the game changed. And no matter who the coach is, you're going to need that. So I, I think if you're going to end this on an optimistic note on my part, I do think we have the ability to compete. We have the biggest alumni alumni association in the world, and that means something. And if you could get everybody to 
or get a lot of people pulling in the same direction, yeah, I think there's a ton of potential. Uh, you could use some of the Pennsylvania businesses, like Sheets and Wawa, uh, get them involved. Um, get Hershey involved. Like there's there 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 are quite a few. Uh, uh, what's the ice cream company? Ben and Jerry's. No, they're Vermont. Um, Turkey Hill. Turkey Hill. I mean, there there I think there are a ton of just business opportunities in the state of Pennsylvania, not to mention the alumni base. So it could be done, but I just hope I just hope that they're able to do it, and I hope these collectives are being uh, managed well enough to do it from a, from the collective step, uh, point of view. I, you know, you brought up that fan. I don't even think for me it's a success thing, right? Like I'm not not for giving them money right now because it's, it's a lack of success yeah. thing. One one part of it, to on, to be honest with people, is, you know, I'm doing this show. And so to a certain degree, not that we're a propaganda podcast, but we are providing, at least sometimes, I think, entertainment to Penn State football fans. In a way, I think we're improving the fan base as is. And we are definitely providing a communication vessel for everything Penn State football, NIL, et cetera. So to me, I am feeling like I'm, I am doing somewhat of a job to help them. Um, on top of that, I want to see like the actual, like what do I get for being in the collective? Because so far, I just don't, I haven't felt like there was something where I was like, that seems really cool to me. Like I would, I really want that as just a fan, like whatever the incentives have been so far. And I don't even know what I would want, but I haven't seen anything where like, wow, I really wish I could get down there and do that. I want to be in a collective in order to do that. That hasn't happened yet. And I'm not really sure. I'm not sure what it's going to be to do that, but I, I haven't seen that yet. And so I haven't really felt incentivized from that perspective either. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, right now, it says this is for the lowest one. So this is for the bronze pass, the monthly, the bro- the monthly bronze pass for $25. You get a quarterly newsletter, exclusive apparel and swag giveaways, exclusive student-athlete digital content, invitations to watch, invitations to watch parties and tailgates, access to members-only online store, Digital membership card, metal membership card, and a card de- decal. And, I mean, I don't know. Seems like there could be more. <laughs> there could be more stuff. But I think the, I, but you know, the, the unspoken benefit is to make you feel like you're contributing to Penn State football success. And... Do I think you would be? Yeah, I do. Because every little bit helps. And I truly believe that. And uh, full disclosure, I also am not donating. But yeah, I mean, that I think that's that's kind of the unspoken benefit of donating. Gotcha. Well, we, we went on down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but I think it's something. It's important, though. It's important to talk about. And this is like the time to talk about it. So. Um, also, 
Shout out to my mom. It's her birthday today. I wanted to make sure I got that in there. Happy birthday. Yep. Um, college football nerds. Good follow over there. We often go back and forth during the season quite a bit because sometimes they're wrong and they need to they need to know that they're wrong. Um, but they're very good students of the game. They have a really solid YouTube channel. Uh, very good previews. They do their research. Uh, very intelligent. Very intelligent over there. They came out with like who is officially RBU right now, running back U. Um, and they had Alabama in a landslide, which they backed it up with evidence. It's on Twitter. We retweeted it. Uh, but they had Penn State number three. And they, they took a lot of things into account, not just statistics, but you know number of running backs that are starters, et cetera, uh, in the NFL. And Penn State came out three behind Georgia and Alabama. So kind of cool because really there's you know not that many Penn State running backs in the NFL. And yet they're that high. So you can, you know, you can tell that they're having a lot of success, maybe per running back more than a lot of other schools are. So that's cool. And obviously, I think it was Dorito Bandit had a good point today about, you know, Journey Brown probably would have been in that list if he wasn't unlucky. And then obviously, you know, some some really good running backs coming down the pipeline here soon as well. So uh, just thought that was a fun tidbit, Sean. Yeah, definitely. And modern day fan, well, every everybody listening is a modern day fan, but uh, fans who you know started watching college football maybe in the mid 2010s to now, I think they know Penn State much more for being a running back school than a linebacker school. Like, sure, we had Micah Parsons, uh, but outside of him, uh, the running backs have been much more successful in the NFL uh, in Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was just starting in the Super Bowl last year. And I think we all expect Nick Singleton to be playing on Sundays uh, sometime soon. And Katron Allen has a good chance as well. And <laughs> I think Journey Brown, I mean, you, you, my heart still breaks for him. I mean, it was just such a, terrible thing that you know he got diagnosed with that heart condition and I have someone in my family who has that same heart condition so it hurt even hurt even more uh, hearing that um but yeah yeah I mean if you look at running back production into the NFL in the past few years I think we're really just behind Bama and that's saying a lot yeah yeah no doubt about it um oh Georgia too Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Georgia has churned out some some solid backs as well. Uh, some Penn State housekeeping items. Former analyst Danny O'Brien has moved into a grad assistant role, working with the offense coordinator Mike Yursich and the quarterbacks. Danny O'Brien um, was a quarterback for James Franklin's offense when he was the offense coordinator at Maryland. Uh, so. Kind of full circle there. O'Brien's been on his staff for a little bit. But I think O'Brien's an important name to know because obviously there's some loyalty there. There's some familiarity there with Franklin. Don't know how long Yursich is going to be around for. I don't know if it's as easy as promoting him that quickly to say offensive coordinator because you got some really other amazing position coaches there. Um, but I think that's somebody you could see maybe getting groomed 
further down the road. Maybe he even goes somewhere else, but then maybe would come back at some point. Just a name I think everyone should maybe familiarize himself with a little bit more. Yeah, Danny O'Brien and James Franklin have known each other forever. Uh, They've known each other since uh, Danny O'Brien was in high school. I remember when Bill O'Brien first got to Penn State, uh, Danny O'Brien was up as a potential uh, grad transfer. Uh, He didn't end up coming to Penn State, but he was interested once upon a time. So he had that connection to Penn State already, and that connection to James Franklin runs deep. So, yeah. Yeah, that typically is how it goes. Um, you know, he'll do the GA route uh, and uh, analyst route, and then he'll probably go somewhere else, and he might come back around to, uh, to coach under his college offense coordinator. Yeah. Um, only other thing I wanted to mention, Sean, was Phil Steele dropped his top 25 for where he thought teams would end up at the end of the season. So a preseason postseason way of looking at the poll, he had Penn state finishing at number six, Iowa at 17, Ohio state at five and Michigan at three. So three of Penn state's opponents were ranked in the top 25, two of them in the top five. Um, Take it for what you will, but I think most of the most of the polls that have come out so far has Penn State roughly around seven, five to five to eight. I would probably say is is where most of them are coming in at. Um, any thoughts there, Sean? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, he's also not going overboard on Texas like a lot of like a lot of people are. Uh, to, do, do you understand the Texas hype at all, Corey? You get it. You know, they're recruiting really well. That's, they always that's, do it all. Yeah. I, I, I think – I don't know. No, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't choose them to win the Big 12, but I honestly don't know who, who will win the Big 12. So, I mean – why not them, right? I mean, I guess that's my point, right? Like, in a way, Texas is a lot like Penn State. Texas, I think, is trying to get over maybe a hump before the you know the hump that you would have to get over before the hump that Penn State's stuck on. But in a way, there are some things like just because they haven't been good before doesn't mean they can't be good now. But I'm not sure yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of just uh, I be- I'll believe it when I see it type thing. Uh, but but yeah, I have no real issues with the teams that uh, Phil Steele has in front of Penn State. Uh, I would probably, I would have Penn State above Clemson. I'd probably have Penn State number five, but I'm not going to complain too much between five and six. Yeah, because yeah. Clemson, I was just very unimpressed with the last few seasons. I'm not sure what to think of Clemson yet. I haven't really read much yet about them, but kind of a hard team to protect at the moment as well. So we'll have to wait and kind of see there. I'd be interested to see, you know, I I, I think Dabo Sweeney probably deserves a little bit benefit of the doubt. And so I get it, but we'll have to wait and see. I feel like Clemson has really fallen off the, the face of the earth compared to everybody else right now. Like nobody's talking about Clemson as if they, 
they didn't win championships in this decade. So um, coach is still there. I know they lost their coordinators last, you know, two years ago now, but right. still, still a really good team. They're going to have a really good defensive line and they're still recruiting really hard. So, and they're in the ACC. So it's hard to imagine them losing more than one game just because of who else they're really going to play. So we'll have to wait and see there, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and Dabo, uh, lot like a lot like James Franklin, uh, he's the type of he's a CEO style coach, so he needs those good uh, coordinators. And I'm a little skeptical about his coordinators. So, and, and it's not like they were bad last year; they were they were pretty good. But as you said, they were in the they were in the ACC, so it's easier to look good now. They do bring in Garrett Riley. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, he was the offensive coordinator at TCU last year. So that should be an upgrade in their in their offense. Gotcha. Well, Sean, let's let's jump into recruiting. Penn State did get a new commit, not to bury the lead too much. In defensive line, DeAndre Cook chose Penn State over UNC, came on campus twice, I believe, in, in June. And uh, the last time really sealed the deal there. Defensive lineman. Uh, Dion Barnes played a huge role here. It's always good to see Dion Barnes get another notch on his belt. Um, and obviously defensive line, very important for Penn state in this class. Uh, they, they pick up Deandre cook was some disappointing news with defensive tackle, David, uh, Polly Polly choosing USC, but yeah, getting Deandre cook aboard makes that feel a little bit better. Uh, what are your thoughts on cook and, and, and where we're at maybe with Penn state defensive line wise? Yeah, he is impressive rushing the quarterback. Uh, that really stood out to me. His size uh, stands out to me, 6'4", 260. Uh, played a lot at end uh, at Friendship Collegiate Academy in D.C. Um, impressive offer sheet for a guy who's not that highly rated. Uh, it says he has a BAM offer. Now, I don't know if that's a true BAM offer, the, if, if they would take him or not. But they were at least interested in him, and I believe Oklahoma did have him as a guy that they would have that they would have taken. So uh, impressive offer sheet, uh, kind of an under the radar prospect. But uh, from watching him play, from watching his huddle highlights, I, I think I like this guy. And like I said, there's a lot that you could do with him at six four two sixty. At 17 years old, I think there's a good chance he's, he plays at defensive tackle. And I think, you know, you could use his speed inside and create some havoc for offenses. Where does Penn State go from here defensive line-wise, Sean? We, Benedict Ume is kind of maybe not officially off the board, but but not good there. Uh, I believe he's still committing on July 8th. But where where do we turn to now? Liam Andrews, uh, I don't know. I don't think he set a date when he's going to decide, but from all counts, uh, Penn State's Penn State's certainly in that one. South Carolina has come on strong, and Wisconsin. So I don't know where he ends up, but I, in, in my mind, he's the most important prospect Penn State has left. Uh, Nigel Smith, Penn State's still in on uh, for sure. 
uh, that's going to probably, you know, I don't think he's going to be deciding anytime soon. And it might be difficult to bring him to Penn State. Just, you know, he's a Texas guy. Might be difficult taking him out of the South. Uh, so I think those are two, you know, the, those are the two big names right now. Jalen Harvey. Uh, the longer this goes, the more uncomfortable I get. He was originally supposed to be announcing uh, this, pa- the, the, this past, or the, this coming Friday. He's pushed that off. I don't think he's committing... He's not scheduled to commit anytime soon. Uh, Brian Robinson, Penn State, might still be in on. I don't think he's coming to Penn State. And uh, T.A. Cunningham, he's, I think he's the guy that I'd probably feel the best about out of all those names that I named. I do think T.A. Cunningham's coming to Penn State, and he's a really impressive prospect. Uh, Malachi Williams, too. Uh, I think Penn State probably leads for him. So, so there's some names out there. about Williams and Cunningham, but we want Andrews and, at, at the very least, too. Yeah. Yeah. So there are still guys out there for sure. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better there. Um, Jameer Grimsley, Sean, chose Alabama. Uh, Penn State, I, I don't think it was even at his final three there at the very end of okay. it all. Um, a guy Penn State was definitely involved with at least for a little bit. Now, <clears throat> the good news is they have – a lot of really good corners already in this class. So maybe not as big of a blow, um, but they definitely would have taken Grimsley if, if he was interested. So any thoughts there? I know you were a little bit bummed about this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think Penn state, you know, wanted this kid and, uh, but what do we always say about Florida recruiting? It's, (laughs) you know, you're up and you're down and um, to not even make his top three, Definitely stung because you felt for a while that Penn State was in a good spot and then to not even make the final three. It's just like, God, what happens in a couple weeks? <laughs> Anyone else you really want to discuss? Are, are there a couple people that are going to be committing that when you should, you should be paying attention to here in the next couple uh, next couple weeks? Um. Well, Nick Marsh is going to be deciding soon. Uh, I think, you know, according to uh, the recent crystal balls, probably going to Michigan State. Uh, That one definitely stings. He's the receiver out of Michigan. Um, Yeah, I don't know when Harvey's committing. Yeah, so I think the next guy that Penn State fans should keep an eye on is, uh, is Nick Marsh. But don't, don't don't hold your breath. Yeah, we talked a lot about these guys the last couple of weeks as well. So if you missed an episode, just go back. The recruiting stuff, to some to some extent, has changed, but the the the, the big board is still kind of what it is. Um, and a lot of commits are are set to happen here soon. Then it slows down a little bit as we get closer to the season. But I always think it's I, I'm fascinated by who gets on campus for the class that's going to be committing in December during the football season. Because to me, once you get to football season, you're almost looking more to the 2025 guys, the 2026s. Those guys are starting to visit for the first time in a lot of cases. But if a guy who's even committed to another school decides to come to Penn State during the season um, and, and that guy plans to commit you know, in December or in February – 
you know, th those could be kind of sways, right? Those could be a potential swing. You never know what happens when they come on campus. They see a football game. If Penn State shows out, the, the crowd shows out, et cetera. You, you don't know. So I always am fascinated by guys who said they were locked down and 100% committed, but then still come to visit Penn State. Uh, obviously, that goes the other way, too. But those are the guys we're going to be paying attention to, especially once the season starts. Yeah, sure. And a guy that uh, really sticks out in my mind that could be uh, part of that is a Nigel Smith. Uh, smashing. Like, you know, if, if we could get him there for the whiteout or there for the, uh, the helmet stripe game against West Virginia. Uh, those games have a tendency to, uh, <laughs> to convince guys that Penn State might be the place for them. So... Yeah, it's it's not over with a lot of with a lot of these players, um, and um, yeah, as as we saw last year with what's that linebacker's name we really liked last year? KV on keys. KV on keys. Yeah, even if they're committed to another school right now, doesn't necessarily mean we're done. Tyzer Denmark just just flipped a couple weeks ago, so. Um, I know the last couple weeks of recruiting news, we haven't been uh, jumping up and down over, but there's a lot of time to go between now and December. Yeah, well, let's um, jump into the fan questions if you're uh, if you're ready to. Let's do it up. We have lots of fan questions. I asked uh, for fan questions and also what you did for the Fourth of July. Uh, first question here is from Mark Breer. What is a cause for concern this season? And on the flip side of that, why does this year feel like it could be the year that Franklin finally breaks through? Um, cause for concern for me, Sean, Drew Aller hasn't started a football game yet at Penn State. What about you? I like that one. I'm probably going to go middle linebacker. Uh, I just get worried about middle linebackers when you're playing against the Michigans of the world, uh, the Ohio States of the world, obviously, and even a team like Illinois or Iowa. Um, but yeah, I'd be lying to you if I was if I wasn't, you know, a, a little worried about Aller just because we've never seen him start a game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, second question, why does this year feel like it could also be the, uh, be the year that Franklin breaks through? I would say because, Mark, it is July 5th, and I at least maybe not in your case, Mark, but in my case, I always feel fairly optimistic in July. So I think that plays a little bit of the role, and I think that optimism just honestly builds until game one. And then if you don't lose, it builds even more until game two, and et cetera, et cetera. So – um, I think it's natural, but I don't know necessarily this year's any different. I will say this last year, we said the team was as deep as it has ever been. I don't really know if there's any reason to believe this year's team is even more deep. And I think depth has played such a huge role when you're talking about trying to win a national championship, not just trying to win one game, but trying to string together an entire season. It, it plays a large role. And they continued to add really good, considerable depth across the board. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not always optimistic before seasons. I tend to uh, uh, lean that way just because I am a fan. But I wasn't particularly pumped about the team going into last season. Uh, at this point, at this point in the summer last year, I thought we were going to win. I thought we were going to go eight and four. And then eventually I got a little more optimistic and I went up to nine and three. But eventually, but, you know, early on, I thought it was an eight win team. Uh, this year, I don't feel that way. This year, I think they can make the playoffs for sure. Um, so I think that's probably why. And I, I think part of the reason you're feeling optimistic is we returned so much back from last season. And you think about that Ohio State game, you think about how close we were. If, you know, a few things go differently. We could win that game. And even the Michigan game, for as bad as we played, we were still winning in the third quarter on the road. So there's plenty, plenty to be optimistic about, especially when you have uh, three bona fide superstars on defense. As you hear my cat meow. That was a nice little, that was like almost like the lion roar there. How about that? Michigan made the pot. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, Sean. And, you know, no one's going to really care that, you know, Penn State was winning that game against Michigan in the third quarter. But I do think it's important relative to everything else, right? Uh, As poorly as they played offensively, they still had a lead against a college football playoff team on the road in the third quarter. It just goes to show potentially how good the defense is. If the offense can just do anything against Michigan, they, they honestly will have a, probably a good chance to win the game. So there's some optimism for you, Mark. Hopefully we, we provided the optim, optimism that you needed. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, Mark did not provide us with what he did on the 4th of July, by the way. Uh, next question is from Dustin Liget. Liget. How far away was the Big Ten in general from the SEC when NIL in the Wild West was launched? And this is the question I wanted to kind of – save some of your answer yep. for Sean. Um, how far away was the Big Ten in, in terms of the SEC and, and, and money? Dustin's kind of getting at something as far as under the tables. Obviously, Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze got in trouble for that quite a bit. Um, I have personally told you guys a story before of a former Alabama assistant coach that I knew uh, on the actual day of signing day would fly a private jet from Tuscaloosa and pick up the kid and basically hold on to said recruit until signing day was over, just so nobody else could speak to him or no one else could, he he couldn't sign anywhere else. And so stuff, (laughs) stuff like that has happened just to give you an insight. But Sean, I think you might be able to provide a better perspective on where Penn state was and the big 10 in general was compared to the sec. That's a crazy story. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there are a lot of schools where paying players out of high school and keeping them happy out of college was was just systemic. And look, are there things that I understand? Of course. Like, I remember feeling very bad for Laramie Tunsil on draft night uh, when his draft stock was sliding 
uh, because he put the, um, you know, he put a gas mask on smoking weed. But part of that, if you remember, going back to the Hugh Freeze thing, a booster was helping to pay for his mother's heat. So that kind of stuff was just commonplace in the SEC. And frankly, I don't think that was that bad. And do I think stuff like that has happened at Penn State before? Sure. But you think about USC uh, having, you know, buying houses for Reggie Bush's family um, and just all the shenanigans that goes on down south. That stuff really didn't happen as much in the Big Ten. So now you have schools like Penn State. Now you have schools like Michigan, even Ohio State. We're all trying to catch up. And you factor in with Penn State. Years and years of having Joe Paterno as the coach. And he believed strongly in the grand experiment. And it wasn't all about football. It was about getting your degree and, you know, all that. And being a good person off the field, having good character. It wasn't just about winning football games. And... A lot of fans really bought into that. And there are some fans that are still uncomfortable with the idea of NIL. When I hear, for example, oh, nobody has any problem with the players getting paid. That's bullshit. Sure they do. There are lots of fans that have problems with the, with the players getting paid. I don't think it's a majority, but there are fans out there that think, well, it was fine for these guys. Did they get a college degree? That's, that's them getting compensated. And you could have that opinion, but be honest about that opinion. Be honest that you don't think the player should get paid. Now, I think they should, but you have to be honest. And we're trying to field those same people to fuel NIL. And there's your problem. We're in the South. That's not even a concept. They just want to win. And that's always been what was most important to those Southern schools. There you go. Next question. Zachary Pletchen, who barbecued ribs and watched fireworks from our high-rise apartment across from Manhattan. That sounds like a fantastic way to spend a fourth of July. sounds awesome. His question, how far away is Penn State from being competitive on a per year money amount basis in the NIL collective space from the other top 25 programs. I think we, we sort of answered some of this. We don't know the exact number. Penn State's never going to throw out a number because they don't want everyone to know the competitive edge and advantage of it. Um, I think there was actually a little bit of like a, an argument between, I don't know if you saw this or not, Sean, but like an NIL like super collective or, or or a company that does analytics on NIL posted numbers on how much like all the collectives are currently worth. And their number was like at 1 billion or something like that. Well then on three NIL said, uh, your numbers are not right at all. Like you guys are way too high. Those numbers are dramatically lower and their whole point of why they kind of dunked on them was because 
putting fake numbers out there actually hurts collectives as a whole. They actually lose momentum of that, right? If I tell, you know, if you start running a race, let's say I tell you it's a 100-meter race. Wait, who put the who put the fake number out? I'm sorry, Corey. I don't know the exact company that did it. Um, and, and I could probably find it. But it's like you're running a race and then you thought it was a 100-meter race or you're only hot behind by a little bit and then come to find out they're going to change the race to – uh, a five kilometer race and, and you're not prepared for that and you lose a little bit of your momentum you lose a little bit of your you know what you got going on there and that's what they were afraid was was kind of happening there so i don't think the numbers a are consistent and how they're being tracked b i don't i think they're inflated to a certain degree and so even if you're told certain numbers i think you got to be very careful about um what those numbers mean and what they represent. And so if you find out that somebody is so certain far away, they probably aren't necessarily that far away. As far as an actual number, I don't know. But I would venture to guess they, compared to, say, like the Tennessees, maybe the Floridas, maybe the Alabamas, you know, I, I would say they're probably millions behind, John. When the, the, again, that is complete speculation. But my guess is they're they're – seven figures behind. Yeah, I'm just counting the digits uh, in seven figures. Uh, yeah, we're behind. And I don't think anybody knows the exact number for everybody or maybe anybody. Uh, but it definitely seems like, and I think the reality is we're behind. I don't think this is all... Uh, James Franklin just trying to raise money because it's never good enough. This is, it's just, it's just an ongoing problem. And uh, like, like I said earlier, guys, look at the top tier recruits in the country and we're not even getting official visits from these guys. Now you could say, um, Quentin Martin's one of the top recruits in the country, and he is. Uh, he's a top 50 recruit, but I'm talking about a top 10 recruit, a top 20 recruit. We're not even get we're not even getting OBs. So that that tells me right there, there's probably an issue with with NIL and Penn State's lack of an ability to uh, keep up. So, like I said, I'm not saying this to be a downer. I'm not saying this is how it's always going to be, but right now they got to catch up. Yeah, and and on three NIL came out with the top ten NIL collectives, and Penn State, you know, wasn't on that list. Now there's been some cannibalization or whatever you want to call it, some some fighting internally. Right. That's probably hurt that. But I mean, I don't know where they're getting that exact number from or how they're coming up that ranking. But obviously, you want to see Penn State to be in the top ten of that whatever that ranking is and how they came up with that ranking. So. That that's at least the best way we could probably answer that question. Um, I don't know if there's a true number there, but I can tell you that it's not where it needs to be. And my guess is compared to like the top schools, I, I'm guessing there's probably a million dollar gap, M maybe even more. But that is 100 percent speculation. Um, anyway. I was trying to find. 
the uh, I was trying to find the guy who 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 kind of dunked on the other company, but uh, I haven't been able to find. It. If I find it before the end of the show, I'll I'll include it on here. But I haven't been able to do so just yet. We do some dunking sometimes. Yes, yes, we do. We enjoy dunking. Uh, next question from Mike Scatina. Uh, Fourth of July was his birthday. They worked on his chicken coop, floated in his pool, and he shot fireworks. That sounds like a fantastic time. I would love to learn more about your chicken coop because I kind of want a chicken coop at some point down the road. Uh, maybe we can discuss chicken coop ideas. Um, his question, do you think the starting linebackers come week four will be Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, and Tony Rojas, John? We know you love mm. we know you love Tony Rojas, but are you that committed to him but that he will be starting by week four? That is a good question and a question I've been pondering for a long time. And the answer is I don't know. Um, I would like to keep Abdul Carter on, on the weak side and not move him to the mic ideally. Just because he has more more room to roam um, than being uh, than being at the mic, but if yeah, but at some point you have to do what you have to do. And do I think there are situations throughout a game, uh, throughout the year, where you could move Abdul inside and put Rojas on the field? Yeah, like a. a good situation for that could be against Iowa. Uh, you know, stacking up against the run, you might want, you might trust having Abdul Carter uh, in the middle rather than um, rather than Tyler Elston or Kobe King. So, and I'm sure that Abdul Carter is getting cross-trained to be a Mike as well. So he's going to know how to do it. Uh, but in, 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 a, in an ideal world, I would like to have Abdul Carter on the weak side, but it's possible. Yeah, that was the biggest thing to me was the position didn't really make sense to me. You can't have Rojas in the middle. Theoretically, you could move Jacobs to middle, but I, I really think he's he's better suited on the outside. And then, like you said, Carter probably at some point is going to play all three positions. But I just feel like he's, again, just too good to not have out there um, causing havoc. So, and you, again, you don't want to slow him down by having to play Mike. So, yes, I, I agree. I, I don't think I, I don't think that's going to happen. But that doesn't mean we don't like Tony Rojas because we very, very much do like Tony Rojas. Yeah. And we're very excited for what he can do. I just think he just happens to be behind – Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Card right now, which is a good thing because he's still learning too. He's gonna have he's gonna have a lot to learn himself. So it's a perfect situation. It's like a Mike Hall situation, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, Tony Ross is gonna play a lot this year, no doubt about it. He'll probably play every game. Uh, but I, I do, I, I, I would be hesitant to say he'll start every game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think Tony Rojas burns his burns his red shirt pretty much right off the bat, though, don't you? Yeah, 
yeah, I think by week four, he's, his red shirt's burned because I think he's going to play all four of the first games, um, which is which is great. It's going to be a great experience. And next year, he's going to be a starter. So he's going to be at least a two-year starter in my mind as long as everything goes well. Um, I did want to just wrap up the NIL conversation. I did find on three's most ambitious NIL collectives, and Penn State didn't no Penn State collective made the top 20 there either. So um, those are the lists that you want to be on in order to feel better about things. Penn State just hasn't been on them yet. But obviously there's been some organizational reshuffling. And so hopefully, you know, things have, they got their ducks in a row a little bit better. But uh, just wanted to kind of provide one, a little bit more insight into that and, and other things that we can see. Um, okay, I found it. Sorry, it took me a second. Um, Ross Dellinger wrote the article originally um, about the projections for money. And, and Open Doors was the name of the project. And they said that $1.175 billion will be spent on NIL in 2023-2024, and $595 million of that was on Power 5 football teams. Um, so that would be the average between oh, man. 5 to $10 million um, between Power 5 schools. However, when they posted that, Shannon Terry, who is the owner of of on three owns on three and was the one who um, originally created 24 seven sports. He, he's created both of them. Um, he said that those totals for collectives roster value are significantly inflated. Our totals used for the on three NIL valuation are much lower with this model. Each school would be approximately 13 million annually in collective money. And that's just a reported average. My goodness, those numbers aren't even close. So, they think they're very high and, and, and much lower than that. So uh, take that for what you will. But if those numbers are very high, that puts it roughly at 5 to $10 million. If that was high, I think you're looking at roughly the really good schools are maybe getting close to five. And I think maybe Penn State is a million or two behind them. That would, that would be my guess as of right now. Again, full speculation. Yeah, and it's it's hard to speculate, right? It's it's hard to say just how far behind we are, but we do know that there's a gap. And I don't think they would be um, as desperate if there wasn't the gap. But, I, it, it, yeah, is it true that Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, they're all asking for NIL money too? Sure. But they want to keep what they got. And they want to add more to it. They want to add to that gap between the schools, like like a Penn State, um, you know, the Penn State, the Auburns, the uh, Michigan States, Michigans of the world. So, yeah, but we could catch up. I don't want people to get discouraged. We could catch up. This is something we could do. Yep. Next question, Matty I C, who has been just throwing questions left and right lately. So thank you for the. Uh, the interaction as of late. Uh, they were at the beach watching fireworks for the 4th of July and watching the fills. Question is, what are some pros and cons to the 2023 class as a whole so far? Um, Sean, off the top of my head, pro, secondary. 
defensive backs are fantastic. Terry Smith and Poindexter have done a fantastic job. Um, Anthony Poindexter. I, I the secondary is very strong, very very strong. Love John Mitchell a lot. I uh, love the safeties a lot. Uh, very very happy with the secondary. That would be my pro. If I had to choose a con, I would probably say that they maybe haven't really filled out the needs as much as we'd like them to at defensive line and wide receiver to this point. Now that could change, but as of right now, I I don't think they've done necessarily as good of a job as maybe we'd hope they do at the wide receiver position and maybe not as good as we'd hope they do at the defensive line position so far. Yeah, I think the, uh, what stands out to me is the skill position guys. Uh, Quint Martin, uh, he's one of the top players, um, you know, top 50 players in the country. Uh, you know, we both like Ethan Grunkmeyer. Uh, I think he, he might even go up, and he already got a ratings boost, as we predicted. Um, Corey Smith is a good is a good back. Uh, Tysier Denmark, I think that kid's a stud. Um, Peter Gonzalez. You know, he stands out to me. And Josiah, Josiah Brown. Uh, but to what Corey said with the receivers, yeah, there were some misses. So, um, you know, keep with Keelan Adams, with what we, who we think is going to be Nick Marsh. Uh, the cons, uh, the, the con for me would be, would also be the defensive line. Uh, Deion Barnes definitely had some misses. And... I think we were all feeling pretty good about where the defensive line was was, uh, going into the last half of June. And to only walk out of the last half of June thus far with DeAndre Cook, I mean, that's disappointing. And uh, the two, and, you know, we did get uh, Xavier Gilliam earlier in the month, but we were feeling really good about uh, Waller from Mississippi. Uh, even guys, even guys like, um, um, you know, obviously Benedict Dubay, uh and um, Amaris Williams, I believe his name is. So th- there were th- there there have been some misses, and you know it's Deion Barnes learning on the job, trying to build those relationships, and that's something that Franklin always preaches is relationships. And Barnes came in late. He's only been on the job for six months, and it's been a little bit of a baptism by fire. But I do think there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of potential for Deion Barnes as a recruiter with his connections to the Philadelphia area. Yeah, and I, before we, I, I feel like we have to give a shout out to Phil Trotwine because the offensive line recruiting class has been phenomenal so far. And definitely is another pro that I just wanted to give some love there too. Definitely. Um, next question is from R. Scats, another person who's been providing a lot of questions lately. So, so thank you to R. Scats. Fourth uh, of July, relaxing, grilling, watching the Phillies. Gambino equals great hire for PSU baseball. So a little PSU baseball shout out there. Yes. Um, question for from R. Scats: Is Jordan Vandenberg ready to step up and play significant snaps? Always the optimist. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year. Our scats, I think you you're dead on with this one. To be honest with you, I think this is a fantastic sleeper. Uh, he's gained some weight. He's above 300 pounds. I always felt like he was really good with his hands. 
he provided some really good snaps. There was a couple games, I feel like, Sean, at the end of the year, where like Jordan Vandenberg was flashing a little bit there. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is a really good player to be optimistic about. I think it's also a good position where you can impress. And if you impress, you will play more. So, um, yes. And, and Sean mentioned Iowa and Illinois earlier. We're going to be playing against some teams where they need guys like him to play significant snaps. So, yes and yes and yes, in my opinion. Yeah, I've always liked Jordan Vandenberg. Um, it was just, you know, he's a bit raw when he came in. But like Corey said, he always did some things well, uh, you know, from a hand standpoint. Uh, he was always pretty quick, you know, uh, f- from inside and James Franklin likes that in a defensive tackle, likes having a little bit of speed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm expecting him to uh, uh, to impress this year. Uh, Franklin likes to rotate defensive linemen throughout a game, as as we all know, uh, to keep his to keep his starters fresh for the end of the game. And Vandenberg's going to be a key part of that. So, yeah, I think we need him and I think he's going to be able to deliver for for us and what we need. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good question there. Final question from Dr. Big Beef. Do fireworks suck? And if the answer is no, why do you hate dogs, you evil person? Um, thank you, Big Beef, for that question. I thought that was a really funny question. You know, <laughs> the the fireworks that, like, your neighbors set off, I do think they suck, 100%. Like, you, they're very expensive, first of all, and I really don't think they're that fun sparklers and whatnot stuff that kind of stays on the ground for for little kids whatever not a big deal but just your casual neighbor shooting off mortar fireworks 100 percent could go without wouldn't wouldn't make a big deal to me what's been crazier to me though as as i've gotten older is the big time fireworks shows have gotten very very dull in my opinion um i feel like i used to like them a lot when i was a kid and even like through out high school and whatnot. Um, Fourth of July fireworks that we watched on, I think they were on off on, on Monday, I think is when they did theirs. I, I was on, I actually went to the bathroom during them. Uh, Cause I just, I just wasn't that interested. So I can hundred percent go without them. Uh, I, I don't think they're really an important part. I also think it's weird that it's not like associated with just one holiday. Like people just, shoot them off at different occasions depending on what you're celebrating i think maybe it'd be cooler if it was just for a uh you know just for 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 a certain holiday specifically maybe um but there is some irony to the fact that we're celebrating independence we're celebrating you know america and and patriotism and 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 whatnot and a lot of people that fought for that right and fought for this um those people tend to really not like the fireworks because they obviously don't like the banging and whatnot. So there, I think there is a little bit of bad irony, you know, in there as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of them, but I'm also not a crusader against fireworks either. Um, there we go. Yeah. Did you ever see born on the 4th of July? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So there's a scene early in the movie. Uh, it's, uh, it's with Tom Cruise. Uh, they're doing a, uh, 
Fourth of July thing uh, with Vietnam vets, and when they shoot off the fireworks, you see all the vets just like instantly like jump as soon as they hear the fireworks. So it was kind of a it's a sad movie, and that was kind of a tough scene. Um, you know, I'm fine with fireworks. Uh, we had a pretty big dis- we had a pretty big firework display in downtown Scranton, uh, stuff like that. I- I'm kind of like Corey. I'm totally fine with, but it's when People get them, and they're not licensed to have them shoot up in the air. That's when it not only is uh, uh, could be a nuisance to the neighborhood, it's also dangerous. Because you know, those people shooting them off, they had they were drinking a fifth on the fourth, so they're they're probably drinking. They might even be smoking a little weed, and they're shooting off fireworks. Gee, what could go wrong? So, and, you know, obviously if you have animals, uh, my cats growing up always got scared. I know it's even worse for dogs. Uh, so it's always it's always tough for them. But, yeah, if you're going to shoot, if you want to see them shot off in the air, I wouldn't recommend doing it yourself unless you're licensed to do it. Now, sparklers, little things on the ground for your kids, I totally get, but not shooting them off in the air in your front yard. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, Some random, the athletic news, I just saw that uh, college football writer Matt Fortuna has left the athletic. And Andy Staples has left the athletic and joined on three. I saw Andy Staples, yeah. So I don't know what's going on over there at the athletic, um, but kind of an interesting situation over there. Um, and then ESPN lost a ton of people. And ESPN lost a ton of people. Yeah, so there's some uh, shuffling going on in the in the in the college football world, media world. Um, now we're still here. We're still here. And would love to say some stuff, but we're still here. <laughs> we are. Um maybe a little bit shorter show tonight, Sean. A little bit. A little bit. But but hey guys, remember last week I said the next time we record we'll be in July. And we are in July. And now the next time we record we'll be in the middle of July. That's that's how that works. Um and yep. Next time we record, I will be in my house. Hey. I don't know if we'll do a live show yet. I don't know if I'll have all my ducks in a row by You have, you have to next give us week. a tour if we are, if we do. Yeah, absolutely not letting everyone on the internet see <laughs> the inside of my house. Um, but, so no promises to get back to the live show. Um, for those that have been listening for the first time, we do have a live show on YouTube. That we we do live as well as the the audio still comes out to the podcast, so you're not gonna the podcast doesn't go away or anything like that. Um, I do think we should maybe break down. Well, we have Northwestern on the schedule next year too. Yeah, yeah. Low key, we do yes. So maybe we break down the three Big Ten West teams for next week. Yeah, let's do that up. That's a good idea. 
Yeah, just doing it a little bit different than last year where we kind of ran through one each week. I think it's maybe better to group them up a little bit just just for the just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we could do it that way. Okay, so I think it it went well last week. So, yeah, no, that just for the sake of clarity, um, the numbers right now are better than the numbers during the season last year. So we're growing. And it's not even the middle of the season. So thank you guys so much for listening and sharing the show with whomever. Uh, we appreciate everything you do, whether it's just a single retweet, whether you guys have been asking us questions. Uh, you can follow us on threads or on threads. So at Hardcore PSUFB, just like everywhere else. Uh, so you can you can follow us there as well. But um, just thank you guys so much for for just everything. The five-star reviews, which we'll still send you stickers for. If you drop us five star review on Apple Podcasts, but uh, just a lot, all the support. Um, very, very excited uh, to get the season going. Probably around this time, maybe not quite this time next year or this month, excuse me. Um, probably about a month and a week out from going back to two episodes a week. Uh, but we'll get there sooner than later. So the season is right around the corner, Sean. Yeah, I just followed us on Threads, so check us I was out. Say, I, just, I just saw I, you yep. did that. I yep, haven't I, even made a personal one yet. I don't know if I'm going to or not. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Instagram fused with Twitter, so it's interesting. Uh, but I have to play around with it a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, we'll be on we'll be on YouTube starting soon, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be back over there in a second or so. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, have a good rest of your week. A nice short week for for those that do have to be working this week. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then, you guys have a good rest of your week and a good weekend. For Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoke. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. See you, everybody. Hi everyone. Best of luck, little boy. Cheers, I appreciate that. Thank you.